Hello, hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of the TVD Podcast. A special episode, and unfortunately, Hayden will not be with us today, as you can see me doing the intro. But I am joined with second time now special guest, Riley Lahoon. Riley, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Excited to get into it. Yeah, let's just get right into it. Before, though, I want to plug our um, Instagram and TikTok like we've been always doing lately at TBD Podcast Official for any updates and delays. I know you follow that those accounts, Riley, and Absolutely. I know you've been enjoying yourself. So other than that, let's just get right into it. And today with the 10th episode, we will be starting 1 through 14 of our NBA mock drafts. I know me and Riley have put in a lot of work into these, and I'm just excited to get right into it. So without further ado, let's just let's you start out with the number one pick. Who who you got? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty obvious one here. Detroit Agreed. Pistons. Uh, obviously, young team looking to rebuild. They've got some solid pieces, but they got to get with the franchise guy, and it's obvious who they take. They got Cade Cunningham, point guard from Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think that is a great pick, and for obvious reasons, like you said, this guy is arguably one of the most complete NBA-ready players in this draft. He He's a great combo guard. You know, he's going to get to the basket, and he can shoot the three ball if he wants to. Not a lot of weaknesses. I know me and you were talking about this before the podcast started. This guy's very limited weaknesses to his game, and I think that with this team for the future, I think he's a great fit and a great pick, and I think other than, you know, maybe some other players coming in, I really don't think there's a chance that Kate Cunningham doesn't end up going number one to the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, there's no way he doesn't uh, go number one. And like you said, very little weaknesses. And it's just, it's not even like glaring issues. It's just nitpicky things. Like sometimes he turns the ball over too much or he lacks high-level athleticism. But, you know, that's just, that's things that obviously you can work around and, the strengths for sure outweigh the weaknesses. This guy's for sure. He he has the potential to be a superstar, can score at all three levels, uh, great playmaker, 6'8", 220, phenomenal build. So, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. Yeah, and this is a guy who absolutely d- d- dominated. Like, he, he was crazy in college. He averaged 20 points and six rebounds and with three assists being – you know, that point guard position that he played in Oklahoma State, like you were saying, this is a guy who I think will come in to the Detroit Pistons and make an immediate impact. I think alongside a healthy Killian Hayes and that young squad, I think this this team's got a lot going for them in the future. Yeah, the it'll be a, um, interesting to see how they utilize him with Killian Hayes because, of course, both of these guys do need the ball in their hands. But I think they can uh, be a good tandem together and build other pieces around them and really start to build a franchise. I mean, you got three young guys in Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, and Sadiq Bay, And then you got a, a veteran who really um, broke out last year in Jeremy Grant. So I think this, uh, with Cade Cunningham, this uh, franchise is getting on the right foot. And I'm excited to see how he performs. Yeah, number one pick, Cade Cunningham, Detroit Pistons, the first one of the mock draft. Let's head on over to number two of the... Houston Rockets pick. Who you got? Yeah, for the Houston Rockets, um, I, I kind of I went back and forth with uh, two different guys, but I ended up with them going with Evan Mobley, uh, center out of USC. I just this guy is an incredible defender. Um, has the potential to be one of the best, if not the best, defender in the NBA. 
Uh, I just I really like his upside. I think he's special, and I think he'll pair along in a uh, solid backcourt or frontcourt with uh, Christian Wood. Yeah, and my number two pick, and I I actually I was going back and forth with two players too, and my pick ended up being Evan Mobley as well. You know, this guy is a guy who, you know, he he's a very mobile, very mobile seven footer. You know, he's gonna he's yep. able to run the floor. He's able to stretch the floor floor if needed. Is great inside the three point line. Obviously, some concerns is his, you know, size and like skinniness, you could say, but this is something that will come along as he progresses. But like you said, something that a lot of people don't really like, they don't really pick up on Evan Mobley is his defensive effort. Like, this guy is a great defender. I know when I first looked into him, I wasn't really expecting him to be other than shot blocking, but this guy can, you know, he can really do it all on the defensive end, standing at seven foot, seven foot, average 2.4 blocks in college. He's a great defender and He's one of those guys too on the offensive end that is going to be great in the pick and roll scenario as well. You know, I think, I think with a young Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood, like you said, I think the pick and roll is going to be a problem. If the Houston Rockets decide to jump on this pick and utilize him, I think it could be a very dangerous offense coming forward for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's some weaknesses with them. When I was watching film, there were some things I saw that I didn't particularly like. One of the things that he tends to do is when he gets the ball and he tries to um, he struggles to go get a bucket for himself. He'll try to uh, post up against, of course, you're going against big guys in the NBA, and he isn't the strongest right now. So if you don't have uh, anything to go to besides the post up, I think he'll struggle offensively. But like you said, he's great in the pick and roll. He's uh, really good at going up and getting those lob passes. And, you know, John Wall, he loves to throw those. A uh, great vet for that squad. So, yeah, I, I think Evan Mobley can – uh, really develop and another thing he has great mechanics on his jumper of course they they didn't fall at a high octane but I think they can with time yeah obviously like you said outside of the paint within that three-point line not the greatest shooter you know he didn't he didn't shoot many but when he did they were they were either off or on but inside the paint anywhere inside the three-point line I'd say it's gonna be hard to guard this kid just going, you know, going in with with the the modern big man changing, I think this guy is a perfect guy to come into the league as one of those taller guys that you know is doing it all offensively, and I think he can be a threat, really, to any any big man in this league, to be honest. And then one guy that I really liked, I liked Evan Mobley. You know, I went through a lot of player comparisons. I'm not sure if you had a player comparison for him, but for me. It was a Chris Bosh. I think Chris Bosh is someone who was able to do things that I believe Ed Mobley will have potential to do. Obviously, unfortunately, Chris Bosh's career got cut short. But when he was winning those championships, it was he was a great guy who fit well with LeBron and Dwayne Wade. And, you know, I think I think this is what Evan Mobley has potential to be as a great rebounder and, you know, can stretch the floor if he needs to. And I think that's a great little co- player comparison of the two. And I think if Evan Mobley can live up to that, Dangerous things ahead for this guy. Yeah, I saw the Chris Bosch uh, comparison a lot. Um, another one that I went to, not as much necessarily on the defensive side, but he reminds me a lot of James Wiseman offensively. He's he's unpolished, but definitely has the potential to develop and become a, cle- a complete five man for the Rockets. Yeah, for sure, and a lot of a lot of great upside to this pick, a lot of utilization for this pick, and that's gonna take us to the third pick. Of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I got a lot of say about this pick, so why don't you break it out with number three pick in this mock draft? Yeah, I know this is where we're going to uh, start to go on different paths here with players taken. 
uh, a pretty unorthodox one for me here. I've got Jonathan Kuminga going third to the Cavs. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I like about his game, but there's also a lot I don't like. I think he's for sure a developmental piece. But when I look at guys like Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs, it's just I like Darius Garland. He struggled in his rookie year, but he really stepped up this year, um, made big improvements. And, of course, Colin Sexton, he's a great young guard. I just I don't see him uh, taking Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs when a guy like Kuminga is available here. Um, I think he's got great physical features, 6'8", 220, long wingspan. And while he did struggle a little on the defensive end, he has great defensive potential, and he showed it at times. He just needs to be coached up a little bit and tuned up. And another thing that I like a lot, he just he gets to his spots very well. He he rises above defenders in the mid range, and he hits them very efficiently. I just I think that the Cavs they don't necessarily need to thrust him into the starting role. I just think he can come in, whether he starts or come off the bench, and just um, really improve in the first couple of years and, and get better. Because I think the sky's the limit for this dude. I I think he can really be incredible if he develops into what we all know that he can. It's just a matter if he will be able to. Yeah, that's a very interesting pick. But before I say mine, it kind of makes sense to me. And this is something that I told you yesterday. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers will not be picking three. I think they will trade down to five or six for the exact reasons, as you mentioned. I love, you know, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland as that backcourt. And I think, you know, a Suggs or a Green wouldn't be the best fit for them. But I see them trading down either to the Orlando Magic or the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because I see those two guys that I've, I've noticed. Obviously, Jonathan Kuminga is the one other guy that will be mentioned very shortly. But I see them trading down. But obviously, with the best available on the board for me, the third pick in my mock draft goes to Jalen Green. This is a guy who is an absolute bucket. You know, he, he's a great scorer and a very, very good shot creator. You know, he's very quick. He's got a very quick first step. And he's very, he's very um, a very tough guy to guard because he's very uh, flashy. Also, on his, you know, dunking and versatility but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of questions for him. But this was a guy who stepped in and he averaged almost 18 points in the G League. So he's playing within the NBA, you know, standpoint as far as the G League goes. And he was, he was dropping buckets and he was, very, he was very good. I know a lot of concerns for this guy is his streaky shooting. You know, not the, not the best shooter. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a decent shooter, but he often finds himself being very inconsistent from the field. But then this is also a guy who, you know, doesn't, doesn't really lack the poise of the, the defensive end. Not a very, very good defender, but, you know, he, he averaged 1.8 steals a game. So that's something that, you know, you can't can't go right by. But this is a guy who I really like at three. But like I said, I do not see the Cleveland Cavaliers picking this guy. I can see him traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I can most likely see him traded for the Magic for a guy like Kuminga, who the Cavs end up, you know, drafting. Because I feel like Kuminga, like you said, is a perfect fit for that Cavs team. But, you know, best available for me would be Jalen Green at three. So that is going to be my number three pick is Jalen Green. Yeah, I I agree. Um, we didn't we didn't preface this before, but uh, obviously this mock draft we are not including trades. Um, we will let you know if we do foresee a team trading, and I agree. I do think the Cavs will uh, look to ship this trade off or this pick off. But uh, if Kuminga's their guy, I don't know if they'll be able to get anything from the Raptors or the Magic because it's only a few picks down and. And those other teams, they know that they don't necessarily need uh, Jalen Green or Suggs, whoever their guy is. So, yeah, I, I think they'll look to get off this uh, or trade off this pick, but I'm not 100% sure if it will actually happen. 
Yeah, you know, it's going to, you know, draft night's a crazy night and a lot of things happen. So maybe a draft, you know, a draft trade comes, you know, maybe circling, circling around. I know teams like the Magic and the Thunder have a lot of cap space. So if they, you know, want to dump off a Kevin Love in that trade too, I can most likely see in that being possible. But, you know, a trade destinations for the greatest fit of Jalen Green, the Cleveland Cavaliers right now for best available. But fit-wise, you know, we're, we're going to have to find out for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so with the third pick being pick, you know, I can already see us going our different ways, but maybe our concessions are mutual with the Toronto Raptors pick. Who do you have for the fourth pick in the draft? Um, this is where I got Jalen Green going. Um, I mean, you hit the nail on him. He's just – he's an incredible scorer, um, just a two-guard that he'll go out there and get you a bucket whenever you need it. He has uh, top-level – 30 point per game even upside he he was incredible for um the g league ignite this year he really showed off his talents um some problems i have with them though is the slim frame if he's going to be a scoring guard it's not too much of a problem but on the defensive end you need to be a bigger guy um to guard elite players night in and night out if you are the best player on a team and i i think he's a so heavy player and um while it's great for some of the top guys, of course, he's young. He's not a top guy yet, and he needs to learn how to create for others. But besides that, I, I think he's uh, he can come in for the Toronto Raptors team, automatically be the second or third option on that squad. And um, I see a lot of – I've seen it, uh, this comparison a lot, and I agree with it. I see a lot of Zach Levine in his game. He's just – he's athletic. Yeah. He can go get a bucket at all three levels, and I, I think he'll be great. Yeah, I think – Zach Levine was an absolutely perfect comparison for Jalen Green, someone that I had as my player comparison as well. But with my fourth pick of Jalen Green not being on the board, you know, the consensus, you know, all fall to this one guy, and his name is Jalen Suggs, someone who, you know, had one of the most iconic buzzer-beater game winners against UCLA in March Madness, an absolute bucket. He's a great playmaker and floor general. I think he's going to fit great, especially with Kyle Lowry, most likely being on the move, I can see Suggs being able to come in and play alongside, you know, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi. I feel like he would be a solid fit for them just to come in because, like I said before, he is a great playmaker. You know, he's a great combo guard. He's athletic. He's got the speed. He's a floor general at the end of the day. You know, he's going to hit the open guys. And then also, he's a great, he's a great smooth, smooth shooter. You know, he's, he's a guy who can hit threes and, you know, stay, stay consistent at times. But then, you know, like I said with Jalen Green before, it, it comes down to that consistency. Will he be able to stay consistent? But at the end of the day, I see this guy potentially being a top scorer in this league because he can score the basketball. He's a great scorer at the end of the day. And I see I see the Raptors, you know, jumping on this because, you know, with the draft lottery, Raptors not really projected, you know, in the top six. I know they – I'm pretty sure they're projected seven. But, you know, falling in the top four, you love this as a Toronto Raptors fan. I know I know a lot of Toronto Raptors fans – I know a lot of you guys watching are Raptors fans. So as as a Raptors fan of, you know, the league, I think Jalen Suggs is that guy. And I think he can come in and, you know, make a difference for this team as far as playmaking goes. Yeah, I agree. I like Jalen Suggs a lot. He's um, – I'm going to get straight into it. He, pick number five for the Magic for me. Um, Jalen Suggs is my pick for them. He's my favorite player in this draft. I think he's incredible. He's He's got dog mentality. He just – He's a great defender. He wants to go against the best guy night in and night out. And like you said, he's he's an elite passer. He can go get you a bucket. 
I just I don't see too many weaknesses with him. Maybe uh, be a little more consistent shooting the three ball, although he was pretty solid. And he just kind of he's a big guy for his size, and he just he likes to go in and just draw contact. Sometimes you need a little more finesse around the rim. But besides that, I just I think he's great. I see a lot of Jason Kidd in his game. I don't know if you agree with that one, but I, I like him a lot. He's my favorite player in this draft. I think he'll be a, an all star for sure. Yeah, um, for sure. I think he's going to be a great player. And like you said, for number five, a guy that you named at number three, my number five pick would be Jonathan Kuminga. And he's going to go to the Atlanta Magic here. And I think he played superb in the G League at night. And I think the Magic at this point in time, they're just taking the best available. You know, they have the Jonathan Isaac. They got an injured Markel Foles. You know, hopefully he has a speedy recovery. They got guys like Wendell Carter, who I know you're not the biggest fan of. But <laughs> um, – I think I think the Orlando Magic really strive to take the best available here. I think they, you know, attack. They got guys like RJ, RJ Hampton, you know, a young guy, rookie last season. But I think Jonathan Kuminga, if it's not traded, if they don't pounce to so that number three pick, be aggressive to kind of trade with the Cavs. I see Jonathan Kuminga coming up. I think arguably he's one of the – I think he's the best defender in the class. I think he's he's a great defender. He's very versatile. He's great. He's You know, he's got the strength and the quickness to, you know, keep up with the bigger guys. But he's six six, so you know he can play guard the power forward if he really needs to, and he can you know he can hang with them too rebounding wise. He's he averaged seven rebounds in the G League. He I mean he was a great guy, and he's got he's got a confident jumper too. You know he can shoot it if he wants to, but um, a lot of a lot of scouts said while I was reading a lot about him is they found him being a great defender, and they can see him being you know he's got all the potential in the world, and they can see him being a very top tier defender in the NBA. But they, they saw and they noticed that he wasn't always locked in. So I, I really think it's really a mental thing at this point. You know, I'm not really sure, you know, if, if he just wasn't trying or what it was. But Jonathan Kuminga, I think, is the best defender in this class. And if he can lock in, not a lot of, you know, weaknesses in his game. I think he did force a lot of shots in the G League. You know, he was taking a lot of shots. And it kind of disrupt the flow of, you know, possessions offensively. But other than that, I love Jonathan Kuminga. I'm I'm surprised you picked him at three, but at the same time, you know, being the Cavs pick, I think that is a great pick for him. But at number five, I got Jonathan Kuminga myself. So, you know, I think this would be a great compliment for Jonathan Isaac. I think it would be a very deadly defensive duo for years to come for that Orlando Magic team. Yeah, I, I agree. Going back to what you said about um, him not always being locked in on the defensive end, um, I think that's a big thing that teams got to look at. Um, obviously, we've seen players like, for example, Andrew Wiggins, who went number one overall, but um, from what we've all heard, he's he's never seemed to be fully invested into improving himself. So you got to really look at a guy and say, um, are are you going to be able to to lock in? Because you're here for the the long haul. You're a top five pick here. So if he's not able to um, get his work ethic up or the effort um, on the defensive end, then we could really be looking at a, a top tier bust here. But if he improves, I, I just – I think he's incredible if uh, his potential is incredible. Yeah, potential through the roof for this kid. And, you know, he is a scorer at the end of the day. I see a lot of, um, you know, guys in the league who, like you said, Andrew, Andrew Wiggins you mentioned. But, you know, if it's a mental standpoint, if that's all it is, I think if this kid can lock in and really buy into the fact that he is a great defender and he can be a top-tier defender in this league, if he can just buy into the fact that that's, that's a – actual possibility I think you know like you said all the potential in the world for this guy and I think he's going to be a great player 
in the league. I see him going to the Orlando Magic, but I can also see him going to the Cavs, like you said. You know, a lot of a lot of questions heading into this draft. A lot of great players that we've mentioned a lot. But speaking of great players, let's go on to the sixth pick, owned by my Oklahoma City Thunder. Who you, who you got for number six? Yeah, I think I think we're gonna have the same pick here. I got um Scotty Barnes from Florida State. Um, you know, he's he's big guard, great on ball defender. Uh, he can guard all five positions. Very rare. Um, he's six nine. He's he's huge. He's very strong. Um, great playmaker, obviously. And he's he's great around the rim. Uh, problems I see with him, he's he's not the most consistent shooter, and teams will leave him open, and it causes problems with the spacing for the rest of the offense. And if he's not able to de- uh, develop that three point jumper in the league, I don't I don't see him uh, being very vital to the um, Thunder at all because we've seen with guys like Ben Simmons, it's just while Ben Simmons obviously has all star level talent, he can't shoot the ball, and it just messes up the spacing in the rest of the offense. So if he isn't able to develop that, uh, it's going to be big problems. But I think he will be able to develop that. And I, I think besides the shooting, he's great all around. And, yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, I mean, literally when I look at Scotty Barnes, I see a glowing image of Draymond Green. This is a guy who is built like a power forward, but he plays like a point guard, like you said. You know, when he was at Florida State, he found himself running the point guard position almost every time he was on the court. And he was a primary playmaker, and he can be a primary playmaker if he wants to. And I think this would, would be an honestly great pick for Oklahoma because they don't really have a strong presence of the small forward, power forward position. You know, they got they got Shea, they got Lou Dort, two guys of their point guard and shooting guard positions. And then they got, you know, not really center-wise. They're not, they're not really booked, obviously, trading Moses Brown. But, you know, you got guys like Kemba, too. This is a guy who I, I love for this team and just in general because – He's a great guy who can see the floor, like like I've said multiple times, a great playmaker. But then, when, like you said, too, not the greatest shot, you know, sh- from three and mid-range. It's, it's something that really needs improvement. He only shot 27% from three last season. Not the best, but not the worst. But, I mean, you know, this is something that can be addressed, obviously. But like I said, I just see glowing images of Draymond Green, you know, current Draymond Green, I guess you could say, because Draymond Green, he, he's got a little bit of a jumper on him. You know, obviously can be a little inconsistent at times, but this is someone that I see Scotty Barnes being a lot, you know, six, eight and a playmaker. You know, I love to see it as an Oklahoma State Thunder fan at number six. Yeah, I, I like the Draymond Green comparison. Um, as far with the Oklahoma City pick, I think um, I don't know how well he fits with his team immediately in year one. Of course, you got guys like Kimba and Shea who are ball dominant. And I think with where Scotty Barnes is at right now, he needs to have the ball in his hands. Um, sure. to be successful, and I don't know if he really gets that with Kemba and Shea. So I um, I think the Thunder just go best available and let him develop a little bit. But, yeah, I, I really like Scotty Barnes. I think he can um, – he's definitely a prospect that will be a slow burn. He'll take a little bit of time to develop, but he's got uh, all the tools to be great. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, with this top six, I know me and you were talking about – I'm pretty sure top six was a lock for a lot of mock drafts in general, whether or not, you know, obviously you had Kaminga going three, Adam going five, a little bit mix-ups in the top six other than one. But top six was pretty locked in. And I think from here on out, seven through 14 is kind of all over the place because, you know, you got guys that could be going seven, but they could also go 14. So, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of questions, a lot of great players. Who you got the Golden State Warriors taking on number seven? Yeah, so for Golden State, um, obviously this pick is from Minnesota. 
Um, I do see him looking to deal this out. But uh, um, if they were to make this pick, I got kind of a curveball here. I got him taking uh, Franz Wagner, a uh, small forward mm. from Michigan. That's um, interesting. Yeah, if they were to make this pick, I really like what he uh, could bring to the table for this team. Um, obviously, the Warriors are looking to compete, so he'd most likely come off the bench. But he's got great length um, and size at the small forward position. And watching film, he is an elite-level defender. Um, he can guard on, off the ball, gets a lot of uh, shot contest blocks. I mean, he's just – he's a very high-IQ defender. Um, and it, it made the Michigan team uh, one of the top teams in the country. I mean, they were just so sound defensively. And um, Wagner was the main guy uh, to do that. And uh, for the Warriors, he's – He's a good catch-and-shoot guy in the corners, and I think on the offensive end, you just put him there like Curry, and hopefully Clay's healthy. You let him go to work, and I think you just let him sit there and then have him guard um, top-level guys on the defensive end. And, yeah, he, he's very good at driving to the basket as well. Yeah, he's just he's smooth. I, I just like his game a lot. Yeah, with my number seven pick, I felt like when I made this pick, you know, I might have jumped him a little bit. This is a guy who is, you know, one of the few guys who – you know, took an advantage of March Madness and leaped up draft boards, and that is Davion Mitchell. You know, with with he's he's an absolute amazing perimeter defender, one of the best in the class in my opinion. He's got great strength and quickness. You know, allows him to stay in front of these small guards, and then he can you know attack them for the steal. And he's also a very explosive player. You know, he's a very impressive on the tra- transition and downhill, and a great combo guard at the end of the day who can play make and score right away in the NBA. I think. And, you know, with Curry and Clay coming back, I think this is a guy who could come off the bench. I know they have Nico Mannion, another young guard. But if they want to utilize this pick on Davion Mitchell, like you said before, I don't. I also don't think that they will be utilizing this pick to draft a player like Davion Mitchell or, like you said, um, Franz Wagner. But um, if they do, I think Davion Mitchell is a great pick. He's a great guy who, you know, can develop not the best, you know, inconsistent at times shooting. Like, like a lot of other players, but he's under the wing of Steph Curry, one of the greatest shooters of all time, if not the greatest shooter of all time. And, you know, that, that will just help him out. You know, with Curry getting a little bit older, I think Davion Mitchell is a guy who I think will end up being better than Nico Mannion at the end of the day. And you can obviously, like I said, run him off the bench. And I think he's the most ideal option at number seven for this team. And, um, yeah, other than that, you know, some, some weaknesses that I did see in his game is he's a great perimeter defender, but he also doesn't have the longest wingspan in the world which can hurt him. But what he doesn't really lack in length, I've seen a lot of scouts say he's very he's very passionate and aggressive on the game. So he's going to make that up without length by, you know, being very aggressive defensively as a whole. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he just – Davion Mitchell just screams uh, Patrick Beverly. He's just – yeah. you you watch the, the March Madness run that um he had. He's just – he's high effort, high intensity. He's all over defend uh, – all over ball handlers. He's – He's making their life miserable. Yeah, I, I think he's a great player. Yeah, number seven, you know, I think I think he will fit well into this team if they end up utilizing this pick. And that's going to send us to, what is it, number eight already? Yep. And this is this is picked by, once again, the Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic own five and eight. Who you got picking at number eight for the Orlando Magic? I feel like I'm starting to say this a lot. I, I feel like this is another pick that could be uh, looking to, that the Magic could be looking to uh, ship out. Um, obviously, I don't know. I mean, they, they've got a lot of holes as a team. It's just looking at the rest of the board for at least me, I don't see too many guys that, um, necessarily fit. 
But I, I got a guy here that um, I like a lot, Jalen Johnson out of Duke going eight. Um, he's got great size. He's, he's strong. He's fast. He's athletic. Um, he can guard uh, one through four at a very high level. He's great in transition, and he's got a smooth handle, great at playmaking. And, yeah, he's just – he's got the Ben Simmons bag, of course. And another guy, this is similar to um, Scotty Barnes, can't really shoot. Um, needs to improve that if he wants to play at a high level. But if he can um, be a 3-4 guy who can just get rebounds, get out in transition for this team. Yeah, for my number eight pick, I have a guy who I loved out of UConn, and that is James Buchnight. You know, sitting at 6'5", 190, averaged 18 in college, along with to go with six rebounds. He's a great three-level player. You know, he can shoot the three, he can hit the mid-range, and he can score in the basket with great poise and possession that he, you know, has. He's very athletic, too. You know, he shot 62% right next to the basket last season. And he's a good off-the-bench guy who can get quick buckets when you need for this team. And I think this is a team who, you know, if they do end up shipping this pick, I – I you know I don't, I'm not really sure what their thoughts are, but this is a team who is very young, and I think they they'd want to go young, and I think James Buchanan is your guy. But you know one of one of the more things that I've spot you know noticed about him while I was looking him up is he's not a very good spot up shooter. Like he he can shoot the three, but off the catch, this guy's shooting twenty percent off of just spot up shots. So I mean I don't know if it's catch and shoot that he's really excelling at, and the defense is obviously something that you know he can improve on, but. You know, it comes to aggression if he really wants to. I see, you know, I see this this pick being utilized if they need to, you know, for a trade. But if they do end up using this pick, I think this is this is a suitable candidate number eight is James Booknight. Yeah, I agree. I I like Booknight a lot. Uh, I could definitely see the Magic going for um, a scoring guard. But yeah, um, yeah, good pick. Yeah, for sure at number eight. The number nine is owned by the Kings. Who you got at number nine? I got a shooting guard out of Tennessee, Keon Johnson. Uh, watching his film, one of the best athletes that I've ever That's seen. Good. He's just he flies in the air. He's incredible. Um, he's a great on-ball defender. Uh, of course, athleticism, super quick, great at driving to the basket. He's got a smooth handle. Um, and another thing, he's not the biggest guy. He's 6'5", 186. But if he has a smaller matchup on him, he loves to utilize the post game, um, which is very DeMar DeRozan-esque. That was my comparison for him. Um, he's got a smooth mid-range game out that post, and if he has an advantage, he'll definitely utilize it. The thing uh, that I don't necessarily like about him, um, he's got a slight frame, and it might only limit him to the shooting guard position, which is tough for the Kings since they do obviously have uh, – Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, so he could be more of a bench piece for him. Um, but he doesn't look to create for others as much as you'd like to see him. He turns it over. So pretty much with the ball in his hands at um, as a point guard for the Tennessee team, he struggled. But if you fit him in, of course, uh, the DeMar DeRozan role, um, I think he'll be great off the bench for this Kings squad. Yeah, I think he will be a very good player in the NBA, you know, with that outstanding athletic ability for my pick though. I had um, a guy that you just mentioned and that's Jalen Johnson at number nine. Um, You know, I think this team as a whole, I think this team, the power forward position is something that could be addressed. Obviously the emergence of Rashawn Holmes being a great player, you know, 
that got a lot of rebounds for you. And Marvin Bagley just hasn't been, you know, living up to his name and that pick that he was picked at. And like you said, the guys like De'Aaron Fox and, you know, Tyrus Halliburton and Buddy Heald and, you know, Harrison Barnes even, these are guys who, you know, can play the one through three. And I think this is a guy at number, you know, who can play the number four position in Jalen Johnson, a guy that you mentioned, super athletic, very versatile for his size, a great finisher. And he's a lengthy defender. You know, he can force a lot of turnovers at the end of the day and get some really solid steals for you. And then also he's got, you know, decent ball handling for his size. He's got great vision. And, you know, he can be one of those players who can end up doing it all. But one thing that I know you mentioned for him, and I think this this one thing could make or break his career like we've seen with Ben Simmons, and that is his shooting. I think if he can, you know, develop that three-pointer, we can end up seeing a potential star, maybe an all-star. But, you know, if he can't, I see him just being another role player. He shot the ball fairly well, you know, from three. He only took 18 attempts, though, but he shot at 44% from the three ball you know, this this last season at Duke. But, you know, a large amount of his game is improving that three ball. And another thing was he has a lot of turnover history. You know, he turns the ball over a decent amount, and I think it could be a problem against these very well-rounded defensive, you know, minded backcourt players in the league that we have right now. So, I mean, we're we're going to see – or frontcourt players, my fault. But um, we're going to see what um, Jalen Johnson makes to the table, you know, as a whole. I think it is a great pick. I think he's also one of the more riskier picks in the draft obviously being that those shooting woes that he, you know, has. But I think it could pay off in a massive way for the Kings. I think this is a guy who, you know, you take the risk. You got a lot of young talent on this team. And, um, yeah, I think Jalen Johnson will be able to fit perfectly. And I think he, he would end up wrapping up that starting five unless they want to start, you know, Buddy Hield and Harrison Barnes at the four. But, you know, we'll see as a whole. I think Jalen Johnson is their guy at number nine for sure. Yeah, I, I like Jalen Johnson to the Kings. Obviously, in my mock draft, he's not available there. Um, and like you said, there is the um, concerns with his shooting. Obviously, didn't have a bad percentage from three. He just didn't shoot very much. It's a small sample size. And another thing I forgot to mention is uh, he can't shoot off the dribble. He shot some terrible, like 13% off the dribble, which if you got a playmaker, you want him to be able to take those shots off the dribble. So he's for sure a developmental guy. Um, but I think like you have him going to the Kings, I think if he goes into a um, to a team like that, he doesn't necessarily have to be thrust into a primary role right away, and he can take time to develop and um, just get all the little tweaks to his game corrected before he uh, gets thrown into a big role. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, at number nine, it's, it's a decent pick at number nine for the Kings, and I think they can really develop him. One of the riskier picks, like I said, but it could end up paying off in a massive way. And, um, yeah, number number 10 it's held by the New Orleans Pelicans, who, you know, they had a lot of luck in the draft lottery, obviously, you know, striking on Zion Williamson a couple years back. But who you got taking – who you got the Pelicans taking at number 10? Um, I got a guy you've already mentioned. I got James Bucknight from UConn. Uh, you watch him play. Uh, Before that, is it Bucknight or Bucknight? I'm not 100% sure. I, I believe it's Bucknight, but – Bucknight? You know, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure how I can check that, but – But, yeah, you got you got the Pelicans taking um Bucknight. Uh, I really like this guy a lot. Um, on the offensive end, he's just he's so fun to watch. He's so creative. He just he looks like uh, he's out on the playground out there. He's just he's doing crazy dribble moves and he's uh, getting to the basket at will. But you know he's three level scorer. And we uh, last time I was on the podcast, we talked about this with a guy like Lamelo, who's super confident and how that has helped him right away. Uh, James Bucknight is one of the most confident players in this draft class. He just he knows that he is the guy and that he can take over at any time. Um, he gets hot very quickly. 
Um, he finishes well through contact. And for a primary scorer, 6'5", lanky, he's got good size. He's got an elite pull-up jumper. Uh, like I said, super creative. And I think um, for a guy like him who um, was so dominant for UConn and pretty much all they had, um, that could be a weakness. You know, he just – at times he looks like he's uninterested without the ball in his hands. And on this Pelicans team, you know, you got guys like Zion. You got guys like Brandon Ingram. He obviously won't be the primary guy. So he's got to show that he can buy into the system and be interested without the ball and also be interested on defense. There were times where he would let guys uh, go by him on backdoor cuts or just leave him open because he just seemed a little uninterested. So I think if he uh, fixes that in his turnover issues, he can really be a solid piece for this Pelicans team. Of course, you're getting in the range where you aren't looking for these guys to be franchise guys. You're looking at um, just solid pieces for teams that are looking to try to compete. And I think uh, Book Knight gives you an opportunity to do that here. Yeah, for sure. You know, I obviously I had Book Knight going eight. I love him in general because, you know, he is very fun to watch, like you said. But at number 10, I got someone who was also very fun to watch and a guy that you named, and that is Keon Johnson. Obviously, absolutely tremendous, tremendous vertical. I think he, he broke the vertical leap in the combine. Like, he got like a 48. So, the absolute crazy bounce. You know, he's going to slam it down at will if he really wants to. And he brings, you know, toughness at the defensive end, a very, very quick with his hands. And he's got very quick instincts, you know, get a lot of steals. And his ability, you know, to take those those assets that he has on the defensive end and getting steals, and he can turn that into using his speed for immediate threat and transition and downhill, you know. And if he really needs to, we can, you know, create, create easy buckets for his teammate in the transition. But the reason I had him dropping at 10, you know, this is a guy who I, I don't really – he's an outstanding player. I love him. And I don't really want to discredit him by dropping a 10, but there were so many great offensive-minded players. It was hard to find a spot for him in the top nine for, like, for me. But I, I think and the main reason why he did drop the 10 was because of his offensive ability. I think he he's someone who's going to score inside, but this is a guy who, you know, tried to shy away from the three ball and just shooting in general in college. And I think these N- NBA defenders are honestly going to force him into doing that. So if he can develop that, I think it would be a great pick. And this is a very, very Pelicans team who is, you know, very good offensively already. They got guys like Nikhil Alexander-Walker and, you know, Alonzo Ball. Not really sure if he's going to return, obviously, being that free agent, restricted free agent. They can match any deal. But, you know, if not, I see Keon Johnson coming in and using using his defense to his, you know, liking and being able to come in and being an immediate, immediate asset defensively for this team. But I think offense is something that he really needs to work on, you know, obviously not being the greatest shooter, like I said. But... He, he can honestly come off the bench or start if, if needed and, you know, become an immediate impact for this Pelicans franchise. Yeah, I mean, we both had uh, two guards going to the Pelicans here. And depending on what Lonzo does, um, I could 100% uh, see uh, the Pelicans taking a, a point guard here. Of course, for me, I don't have Davian Mitchell um, off the board yet. So I was really going back and forth with that. But I, I think you look to keep Lonzo Ball if you're the Pelicans. And I think you start to um, really build a core around that. So, yeah, Keon Johnson, obviously, early uh, developmental stages in his offensive game. Um, I think he can improve a lot. Him and uh, Buchanan are pretty much uh, – I feel like in this draft class they go hand-in-hand. Hand. You always see them next to each other. So, yeah. Yeah, one's absolutely outstanding offensively and one's absolutely outstanding defensively. So, you know, they do go hand-in-hand, hand, like you said. And they always end up being next to each other in mock drafts, just like now, you know, two different picks. 
And then we got number 11, the 11th pick in the draft, owned by the Charlotte Hornets. They got an absolutely outstanding player last season. Who you got them drafting at number 11? Um, so with the Hornets, there's there's a lot of things that they could do in this offseason. Of course, uh, the future is uncertain for guys like Terry Rozier or um, Devontae Graham. So I got the Hornets taking uh, Davian Mitchell. Uh, you already had him go, like you said. I, I think he's the best on-ball defender in this draft class. He He's just incredible. You saw on that run, and especially against Gonzaga, he was just – he was everywhere, and he was just making um, life miserable for the offensive players. He's very quick. He um, He's an ISO-heavy player, which is a strength and is a weakness. Um, he would use his elite speed to – to blow by defenders and obviously the Baylor team, they lost one time last season and they just lived off of him getting those ISO situations and blowing by. But the problem with that is with him going very quick, he's almost a little too quick and he'll turn the ball over um, by not making a decision quick enough. So when you go that fast, you don't really have time to let the game come to you. Um, He doesn't have a great change of pace. He's, he's all one speed. He's just, He's, I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to just go 100 miles an hour, which is great for blowing by defenders. But then when the help comes, he really struggled there. So I think he comes off the bench for this team immediately and is a spark plug off the bench. And a, like I said earlier, a Pat Bev level player that can just come in, uh, frustrate other players. And another thing that he was great at, catch and shoot. Obviously, the mellow ball, he's your ball dominant guy. So you put him in the corners or at the top of the key and just – let him stroke it because he is he's a great shooter. Um, he struggled earlier in his college career, but yeah, he really improved. And another thing that um, may shy uh, teams away from him is his age. He is one of the older players in the draft at 23. So it leaves a lot of questions as to if he's already reached his max uh, potential as a player. But I, I think he can um, improve on some things. And yeah, I got the Hornets taking him at 11. Yeah, obviously, age is something that you know you love to you know you don't really love to see when they're in that you know high you know low twenty twos. I guess you could say you love to see a nineteen or twenty year old guy come in. But at number eleven, I believe we actually swapped picks here. I think you had this guy at seven, I had Davion Mitchell at seven, and I had this guy. I see, I see Wagner at at number eleven. I think he's a great fit for the Charlotte Hornets team. Like you did, great. Great, 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 great defensive-minded player who's going to be able to guard, you know, really any position if needed, sitting at 6'9", 220. Great guy and a great catch-and-shoot player. You know, he's able to maintain that height and stretch the floor, allowing him to knock down a lot of those threes. And, you know, I see him being a guy who can, you know, come off the bench if needed. But then obviously with guys like Devontae Graham on the move, I, I would have liked them see a guard. But at the end of the day, I see them, you know, the power forward, you know, small forward to center position is a question. They really guard heavy loaded. And if they want to keep around Devontae Graham and guys like Gordon Hayward, who I know played absolutely magnificent this season for him, you know, I see him taking a guy like Franz Wagner at 11. If he's available, obviously, I think he's a great pick. He's also a pretty solid playmaker also. You know, I obviously seeing him being the number two option on this team and um, obviously behind LaMelo Ball. But if he needs to, he can also playmake if he wants to. Average three assists in college. And then some of the stuff that I saw, you know, a little bit of weaknesses in this game was, um, you know, his his jump shot. I think his jump shot was something that needs to be a little bit looked at. You know, he seems to shoot the ball, you know, near his chin when he goes up. But this is something that can progress. Like, you know, Lonzo Ball obviously had a pretty cruise jump shot coming into the league. But, you know, it's developed into a, 
a pretty pretty solid jump shot nowadays. And, you know, obviously not the most athletic, too. But it's something that he doesn't really need because, you know, he, he's very – you know, he makes up for it his size and weight. And, um, yeah, obviously athleticism is something that you love to see out of any player. But if he does not, you know, really lack in it, you know, he has the height and the weight to really make up for it and, you know, be big in the post if he wants to. And I think Franz Wagner is a perfect fit for them in Charlotte. I think they definitely do not end up trading this pick. You know, if they do, I'd, I'd, I'd be a little questionable unless they move up in this trade because, you know, I see Wagner, if available at 11, would be the perfect fit for this Hornets squad. Yeah, I like Wagner a lot. Obviously, I had him going earlier. Um, I think he'll be great wherever he goes. He's he's one of those guys I didn't know too much about um, going into research the draft class, but I, I left very impressed. Uh, he was great. Yeah, for sure. And um, that's going to lead us into number 12. 12 of 14. This is taken by the San Antonio Spurs. Who you got at number 12? I got the first international guy off the board here. I got Alperin Singun, the center from Turkey. Um, he's just, he's got a, a Jokic esque game. He's just, he rebounds and he pushes the floor. He's, he's a great passer. Um, unlike Jokic, he's, He's underratedly athletic around the rim. He just, um, if you watch the clips, he just he just dunks it on people uh, viciously, and I think he could be, uh, really be a good building block for the Spurs team, who whose roster I don't particularly like a lot. Um, I don't know if Demar Derozan will be around next season, um, but yeah, I, I think Singun is a good um, building piece. He's a he's a solid rim protector, not not bad, but not great. Um, but he's just a dominant interior scorer. He's got he loves to uh, work out of the post. He's got great footwork. Um, but he does have some glaring weaknesses. He's not very quick, and he's a little small uh, to guard the the big dominant centers in the post. And of course, he's not fast enough to guard the power forwards. So he's kind of a black hole on defense. I don't really know where he fits in. But yeah, I, I think the Spurs take him here, and I think they let him develop behind Pop. Yeah, for sure, and um. This is where we meet again, you know, cross paths. And that's because I have um, Sangoon going number 12 to the San Antonio Spurs as well. I think this is one of the best traditional big mans that we've seen in this draft. He can work the inside, like you said, and he can produce big buckets. You know, he's he's bullying these small defenders on him. And he's, like you said, just dunking it at will. And he's also a guy who's a very solid rebounder, almost averaged 10 rebounds a game. And, you know, he grabbed four offensive rebounds a game, too. So he's going to be able to provide a lot of second opportunities. And like you said, this is a very questionable spot as the San Antonio Spurs. And I think with Yaka Pirtle being your main center, I don't really think you really want that for the future. And I think this pick would really utilize them, you know, going full rebuild mode. I don't think you bring back DeMar DeRozan. I think you build around your DeJounte Murray, your, you know, Derek Whites, your Lonnie Walkers, your Keldon Johnsons, Keldon Johnson. And, you know, you really, you really take them into development. And, um, you know, a lot of things changing with the Spurs franchise as a whole and I think Sangoon will be able to come in and um you know really really be able to be one of those guys but like you said defensively he's just kind of he's he's kind of um you know one of those guys who's very traditional like I said and with the league changing you know guys like Carl Anthony Towns Joel Embiid even changing his game and just these you know faster big mans and shooting big mans I don't really know how he's going to be able to keep up with them because like you said not the most athletic not the fastest but you know, these are these are something that you really shouldn't expect from him because he is, like I said, the traditional big man. But he he's he's a big dude, you know, sitting at two fifty, and he's he's six ten. So I think he will be able to hold his own inside the paint. I just don't know how he's going to really fit, you know, outside the paint guarding the perimeter. 
But this is a guy who is sitting at 18 years old and he won the MVP for his Turkish league. So clearly this guy is someone that you cannot really look over because he's got serious talent. And, you know, I think this could be an absolute steal at the end of the day because, you know, these overseas players, they're the hit or miss. But the Spurs are at the point where if Sengun is their guy, they really hit on him. But if not, it just kind of solidifies the fact that this team is going for a rebuild mode for the future. Yeah, I completely agree. He's just, like you said, he's, He's got glaring issues, but then he's got strengths. I mean, he's a very intriguing prospect. Um, the biggest thing, I think, is the defense. Will he be able to guard um, either the four or five spot? If he's not able to, I, I think I think it's going to be tough for him. But if he's able to develop that, and it's not even that he has to be faster or stronger. He just Sometimes defense is just being uh, a little smart, like you see with a guy like Draymond. He's, he's just a smart defender. He knows where to be at all times. Um, so I think if he can develop into that, he can be a, a very solid piece. I like his upside a lot. Yeah, I got the Spurs. Yeah, and another guy who I believe will have tons of upside and going into number 13, the Indiana Pacers, I'll just get right into it. I got them selecting Josh Giddy out of Australia, an absolutely outstanding prospect, sitting at 6'7 as a point guard, an absolutely outstanding playmaker, and he averaged about 11.7 rebounds and 7 assists. This guy has amazing vision, Riley. He he can see the floor. He's going to find your open guys. And he's also a great guy who can get to the basket. You know, he has a pretty signature floater. And he's going to use his height over these, you know, smaller guards in the NBA. I think he's someone who has outstanding potential as a whole. And I really like Josh Giddy for the Indiana Pacers as, you know, for the future of this team. Yeah, I, I also have the Pacers taking Giddy. Um, I feel like the Pacers kind of we- a weird fit for him, um, because I I don't think he's thrust into the starting role right away. I I don't know how significant of a role he would have, but I think uh he's the best available at this point. And of course, another um international guy. He led the NBL in assist. Um, like you said, phenomenal playmaker, six eight. He's able to see over the defenders guarding them. Um, and if you watch his clips, he just he makes some incredible passes. Reminds me a lot of Ricky Rubio. Um, and another thing, I mean, he's the third youngest player in the draft. Um, of course, there's lacks in his game. Like he's he's a little weak. He's he doesn't have the best three uh, point shot, and he's not that great of a defender. But with that young age and not having to be in a primary role with the um, Pacers right away, it gives him a few years to grow himself into a complete player. And uh, when the Pacers decide to move on to bigger things, I think Giddy's right there and will be developed. Yeah, obviously, whether or not you want to put him in the starting lineup right away or not, this is a guy who can develop. This is a great young young core that the Pacers got going on. Obviously, Sabonez, Turner, Brogdon, and Lavert, and TJ Warren coming back from injury. And then a new coach. You know, this is a team that, that's got a lot of upside and sitting at 13, you know, not the most ideal pick, but with a guy, if Josh Giddy is still on the board, it's it's one of those hit or miss players. You know, another European player. We've seen absolutely outstanding European players. You know, not European, just international players as a whole. And coming out of Australia, this is a guy who I love. Obviously, like you said, shooting. He, he's a very streaky shooter. You know, he can knock it knock it down, but oftentimes finds himself very inconsistent. Like a lot of these young prospects. We, I know we've mentioned it before. You know, we talked about it before the podcast began. You know, a lot of these guys, they struggle with consistency as far as shooting goes. And I think Josh Giddy is another one of those guys. 
But I think, you know, with this solid young core of the Pacers, he what's lacking, you know, off this bench unit, I think Giddy will be able to come in and be the playmaker off the bench. And if you want to, you know, end up playing him in the starting position, I don't see him being a starter ideally. I don't see them running out of the small forward by any means. But, you know, I see this team being able to utilize him at number 13 and, you know, take take Josh Giddy for sure. Yeah, Giddy's a very um, interesting prospect. I think I think he'll be pretty good, but I mean he he does have glaring weaknesses. Of course, you need the three point ball in today's NBA, and if he's not able to become consistent with that, then it's really a tough place for him. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Pacers is a good fit for him, um, despite not really um, having a significant role. Um, I I think he has the time to develop. Of course, like I said, super young. Uh, I think he can be great. Yeah, and that's going to lead us, unfortunately, into our last pick of the draft lottery, owned by the second time, you know, two teams in had two picks in the lottery, and that includes the Golden State Warriors. They're sitting at number 14. Who you got as the last pick in the draft lottery? I got Corey Kispert going 14 to the Warriors. Um, I just think, uh, you know, third splash brother here. Uh, great shooter. You know what you're getting with him. He's got the quick release, great off the catch. Um, he, he's just a guy that, um, 23 years old, uh, tough um, on the age-wise, but he's a pretty developed player, I'd say. Um, you know what you're getting. I see a lot of uh, Joe Harris in him, and I think alongside Clay and Steph, you just put him in the corner, you move without the ball, uh, have him come off the bench and just uh, be a, a spark plug for him. And another underrated part of his game is he's just – he's pretty bouncy around the rim. He, he'll get up there and he'll dunk on people. So I think he's a pretty intriguing prospect. I like him a lot. Um, obviously, there's concerns with uh, him with the ball in his hands. Turned over a lot um, when he was forced to uh, dribble the basketball and put it on the floor. So um, he needs to clean that up. But, of course, at the NBA uh, level, he doesn't necessarily need to be in that role where he has the ball in his hands. And, of course, he's not the greatest defender. Um, he's not a liability by any means, but if he's got a quicker guy on him, then they're going to take advantage of him. So I think he can be a solid uh, piece off the bench for this Warrior squad who is looking to compete. Yeah, obviously, you know, you don't see a lot of seniors coming out of college and being, you know, in the draft lottery or in the first round, you know, because they are on the older side. But this is a guy who's got some serious talent. And this is also a guy who, you know, I had going back and forth. I had two players. It was between Kispert and this guy. But I ended up taking Usman Garuba as my final to cap off the draft lottery because he's just a guy who, you know, he's got great strength and he's a very good, you know, he has very good poise and, you know, inside the paint. He's going to be able to dominate a lot of these bigs, you know, if he wants to. Only sitting at 6'8". But this is a guy who I know me and you were talking about this. This he's got great. He's a great two-way player. I think he he's got potential to score the ball if he wants to, but you know defensively is his strong suit, and I think he's a great defender, and you know finds himself fitting into this Golden State Warriors team perfectly. I think of the two picks, um, Golden State's gonna end up picking with the 14th pick. I think that's a pick that will be utilized by uh, Golden State, and I think this is a great pick. You know, obviously you got guys like Eric Paschal. Jermon Green getting on the older side of things. Young James, James Wiseman. I see Garuba coming off the bench for sure. Obviously, um, you know, Clay, Clay coming back, and you got Wiggins and Oubre. I think the reason why I chose Garuba over Kispert was because of, you know, whether or not you want to keep around Wiggins and Oubre. I think they're both two young guys that, 
you know, have have been able to prove themselves in Golden State. I think I'd take Ubre over the two, but um, you know, I I love I love what both of those guys had, and that's you know the really only thing that really held me back of not choosing Kispert because I I love Kispert as a whole, but you know one of the weaknesses I saw out of Garuba that I I think either will develop or maybe not was um, you know, his shooting. I think his shooting is something that you know can he can improve on, but um, seeing his size. You know, and his you know weight at sitting at two thirty at six eight. I mean, this is a guy who you know it doesn't really worry me too much because you know he's dominant inside, like I mentioned many times. I think he's a great pick for the Golden State Warriors at fourteen. Yeah, I, obviously I didn't have a uh, Garuba going, but I could definitely see them taking him. He's he's very uh he reminds me a lot of Draymond. He's he's arguably the best defender in this class. He's he's not super tall, like you said, at six eight at the power forward center position. But he makes up with it. He has a seven three wingspan, I believe. Um, he's just he was often guarding the best player on the other team, whether it was a a big man or a point guard. So I just think seeing that that's very high upside. He's a good playmaker. Um, of course, shooting and scoring in general is kind of an issue, but he did play and get good time at a young age in the second best league in the world. Um, play for Real Madrid in Spain. So. I think I think he can really develop. I don't ever see him being really a uh, solid piece offensively for a team, but um, if he can develop a jump shot and can knock him down, I see a lot of Draymond Green or a PJ Tucker for him, who just who's a dog and can just rebound and uh, play good defense for a team. Like you said, like the Warriors, I think he'd be great for him. Yeah, obviously a lot of a lot of speculation around a lot around the Golden State Warriors and their two picks, whether or not they want to trade them or move them. But, yeah, that that is my 14th pick, and I know you said your 14th pick. But we still got um 14 more picks that will be in a future episode, and I know you will be joining us again for 14 through 30. I'm very interested to see because there's a lot of guys, like we mentioned, you know, a guy who I know a lot of people had in their top 14, and we're going to have to be – y'all are going to have to tune into the next episode of the Mock Draft Special and that's a guy like Moses Moody. You know, this is a guy who, you know, could obviously be in the top 14, but clearly you guys have seen me and Riley do not have him in our top 14. And I think he's an interesting prospect who will be looked into and a lot of speculation coming across these 14 to 30 picks for the future. For sure, for sure. Now, um, I was telling you before we started that I do have a question for you here. Um, and that is, obviously, uh, we did a lot of prep for this. Um, looking into each player, deciding who we thought each team was going to take. Um, after watching film of these guys, um, who's some guys that you left uh, more impressed with than you intended? And who's some guys that left you uh, wanting a little more you weren't as impressed with them? Um, I think that's a great question. And some of the people that I saw, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't too high on at the very beginning, but then as I saw more and more of them, it was um J- Jalen Johnson. I think Jalen Johnson is one of the more riskier picks, like I've said. But this is a guy who I think I didn't – I saw him being in the late lotto. Obviously, I had him going nine. But this is a guy who I, I like a lot in this draft. I, I like and I think he has a lot of upside. And I, I, I was very impressed with what I saw. And I think, I think this is something that needs to be developed was that three-point jump shot. But I got faith in him, and if he can develop him, I see this guy coming in, didn't didn't have many high hopes for him, obviously being a late lotter, like I said, but here he is sitting at nine, and I think he's got a lot of a lot of talent and a lot of um a great future for the NBA. 
Yeah, I like Jalen Johnson a lot. Um, he's another guy that, uh, just like you, I, I was watching the film on him. I was very impressed. I, he's a great playmaker. Um, he, he just does everything, obviously. The, the shooting's a concern. Um, but, yeah, besides that, he just he does everything very well. Uh, a guy for me that um, I was very impressed with um, was Keon Johnson. Um, obviously, we knew the athleticism, but I, I really like to see uh, the base he's starting with, um, with a very uh, fluid mid-range game and working out the post. Like like I said earlier, very reminiscent of a DeMar DeRozan. Um, it just gives me high hopes of him developing that offensive game. Obviously, it isn't polished now, but it, um, it really leaves me um, wanting more, and I think he can get there. Like I had him in my mock draft, I had him going to the Kings. So I, I think if he can develop for that Kings team, he could be a very solid piece, and I was very impressed with him. Yeah, obviously two players that we mentioned that you were impressed with, but anybody that you really saw you had high hopes for and um, it was just kind of, you know, maybe a letdown, you could say. You you didn't really, you know, he was maybe a little bit overhyped, you could say. Anyone on the draft board that you saw was a little bit overhyped? Yeah, I got I got two guys, actually. Um, of course, I, I think all of these guys have the potential to be great. Um, you draft these guys in the lottery because you believe that they can be something special. And I think they're all capable of doing that. Just two guys that I um, watched and I want a little more from. I'm going to start off number one with Davion Mitchell. Um, he was great in March Madness in all season, but it's just I, I don't know how well his game translates to the NBA, um, especially if he falls to a, a team that's already established. Um, he's just – He's an ISO guard, and of course, he won't be that um, for any team immediately. So, if he um, can stray away from being an ISO guard, he's got to have to um, be a great catch and uh, shoot player, which he was pretty solid at the college level. Um, but teams would sag off a little on him because he's so quick, and they were scared um, that he would just blow by and get an easy layup. And he didn't handle contact inside very well. So, I, I just think. He's he's a guy that I left uh pretty disappointed by. And another one, um, who I had going number two, Evan Mobley. Uh yeah. of course, uh I think he's elite level defender. He can be one of the best uh, in the NBA, but on the offensive end, I just I don't like his game at all, to be honest with you. He's just he's a very post heavy player, and of course he he's not big enough to be dominant in the post. Um when he has nothing going for him, and he can't take a guy off the dribble um, for a matchup that he would like to use to his advantage. He just he immediately goes to the post up, and on the offensive end, I think he can definitely develop this. But I, I just don't think he has um, much of a bag at all to to get into to get by defenders. So that those are two players that I personally weren't uh, too impressed with. Uh, of course, I still think they're going to be good. It's just I, I wanted a little more for from. What about you? Yeah, I I think for sure, and this is a guy who you ended up being impressed with, and this is a guy who, you know, I didn't know much about him, and that's Keon Johnson. I think, you know, when I first initially, when we, you know, we came up with the idea of making the mock draft, I went to, you know, a ton of mock draft boards, and I saw Keon Johnson, you know, going six, seven, eight, nine, really just solidated in those four, four slots, you know, and... Keon Johnson is a guy who just offensively, I just don't love, you know, I mentioned it. He shied away from the three ball. If he can develop that, I'd love to see him as a player, 
But this is a guy who, you know, got a lot of the hype around his great defense and his great versatility and his great, great bounce and vertical. But this is a guy who I thought would be a great offensive scorer to go along with it. You know, I assumed, you know, a great, great scorer inside. He's going to be a great offensively. But this is a guy who lacks a lot of, you know, offense outside of, you know, his dunking and inside scoring. So I think it's a big work in progress. I think he's still going to be a great player. You know, obviously, if he can develop the rest of his offensive game. But this is a guy who, you know, I'd like to see a little more than. And, you know, if he can't, if he can't do that, I see him being like a little bit of like a, Hamadad Diallo, maybe, you know, someone who just never really found his shot and, you know, obviously a little bit worse because Diallo has been able to put the put the three ball in a lot this season. But, um, you know, I think Keon Johnson, just one of those guys who he could be great, but he could not be great. And that's why I had him at 10. And that's why, you know, I like to see a little more from him. Yeah, I, I somewhat agree with some of the stuff you're saying. I, I think he could for sure definitely be a miss if, um, he doesn't develop that offensive game. It's just I, I left impressed with him because I think he has the ability to do that. And just off of what I saw, I, he's very raw. And for me, I think that's honestly a, a plus because you have a um, solid starting base to grow from. And I, I think he will be able to grow in that situation just because of what he has already. And he also has the threat of just the quick and the uh, super athleticism. So, yeah. I mean, differing opinions there, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as a whole, I loved both of our mock drafts as a whole. I think it was a great, pretty lengthy episode, you know, our longest episode yet. But I think, like like we said last last episode, this was bound to be a banger. Unfortunately, Hayden couldn't join us, but he's going to be back for our next, you know, the second half of our mock draft. And I had a great time with you today, Riley. I think it was a great, great lengthy episode. What were your thoughts as a whole as, you know, my mock draft came to your knowledge and, you know, just thoughts on, you know, the mock draft as a whole. Yeah, I had a lot of fun today, Um, you know, hearing each other's uh, differing opinions on who we thought um, each team was going to select. And um, I, don't, I don't think any of us uh, went too crazy or anything out of the ordinary. But, yeah, I had a lot of fun researching these guys and um, putting this together. And, of course, the podcast today was a lot of fun. Disappointed Hayden couldn't be here, but I'm excited for the next one. Yeah, you know, we're going to have you back in, you know, if you did make it this far, me and me and Riley, we put we put hours into, you know, yeah. studying these players and prospects. So, you know, share it with a friend if you can, because we did work really hard on getting these mock drafts out for y'all in a short, short period of time. So, um, yeah, that's going to wrap up, you know, episode 10, the mock draft special. We're going to have Riley on for the second half of it. It's going to be a great time as a whole. Obviously, episode 11 dropping Friday. Hayden will be back. You know, we're going to break down the game three going on in the NBA finals still going on. But this was a little bit, you know, have have a little bit of fun with some mock drafts for, the, you know, the draft coming up July 29th. We're going to have a great time doing the second half. And then I believe Riley's going to be on with us for a live reaction. We've, we've decided we're going to do um, a live NBA draft reaction. And I believe Riley will be joining us. And I'm excited for you to join us for that and, you know, future podcasts to come because I'd love I loved having you on today and, you know, getting your insight and opinions on the league. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the whole the whole draft process is exciting. Of course, draft night, uh, crazy stuff always happens. Um, still got a little ways to go. Um, of course, NBA Finals, game four tonight. I'm excited for that. Um, I'm pulling for the Bucs. I, I, think, I think Giannis gets it done. Yeah, obviously, I got the Suns. Like I mentioned last episode, hoping my, my predictions come true. 
But other than that, I think that's all we have for you. Make sure to share it with a friend because a lot of time went into this one. And, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for coming on, Riley, and we'll see you all in the next one. Thank you for having me. See you guys.